We're hitting the bookies out of the park like Joss Butler and Sharjah. It's another episode of Cricket Only Better. Yes, it's Cricket Only Better. Again, it's episode 109. It's me again, Ed Hawkins. It's Sam Collins again. It's winning you loads of money again. Well, he is not wrong. All of the above is true. And forgive us if we blow our own trumpet. But our best bet section is now returning a whopping 50.8 points. You may remember, what was it last time, Ed? 33.7 up. Huge amounts, even in the last few days. Paul Krishnamurti might not know what the time is, but winners are coming out of his ears. So the gauntlet has been laid down to Richard Mann of SportingLive.com, who is our guest tonight. Hello, Richard. Hello, Sam. I'm feeling the heat a little bit, but no, great few days. Excellent work from Paul. Lovely. Richard, you're not too shabby yourself. You're very modest, but 17.3 of those points are, of course, yours. And it is a very, very tricky set of games we've got coming up tonight, isn't it, Ed Hawkins? Yeah, it is a bit. The punter's nightmare, I think. You've got poor size, you've got dead rubbers, you've got mismatches. We start with Australia versus Bangladesh, followed by West Indies versus Sri Lanka. And this is where it gets tricky to find some winners. New Zealand versus Namibia. And we finish with Scotland versus India. We've also got a tournament lowdown, the outright odds, and Tasneem Summer Khan is back with the standout reasons why England are going to lift this trophy. Right, start part two with the Betfair outright odds check. 2.9 England are the favourites, 3.7 Pakistan, 7.4 New Zealand, South Africa 9.8, Australia 10.5, Afghanistan 32, India 34, Ed Hawkins, I'm coming straight over to you for your tournament lowdown. Chase bias beginning to even itself a little bit out, but uh, 21 wins for the side batting second out of 31. So uh, they're coming back into it, the side bowling uh, second. Uh, boundary percentage, uh, 24 matches out of 31. One by the side hitting the most boundaries. Lovely stuff. And on that front, our stat of the week is, guess what, all about boundary percentage um ed hawkins yeah at trader 12 with the numbers again thanks to him give him a follow on twitter some terrific stats there your top five for boundary percentage hitting just to put those uh biases in context earlier at the top of the tree is afghanistan with 19.7 percent followed by sri lanka at 18.4 who are an anomaly because they're going to be going home followed by England, 16.62, Pakistan, 16.59, and then New Zealand, 13.5. The question is whether Afghanistan become an anomaly as well. We may well soon have the answer to that. Uh, bowling boundary percentage, Afghanistan, atop of the tree again, 9.8%. How can they possibly not qualify for the semi-finals with these numbers? South Africa at 109 by the way, South Africa are way down in 10th on your boundary percentage for the bat. England at 10.9 in next best. New Zealand at 11.2. And then, surprisingly, West Indies are making the top five at 12.1. If only they'd been able to do what they always do so easily and whack it out of the park. Indeed. If only life were that easy, Ed Hawkins. Right. I've got some odds to reach the final. 
uh, from Betfair Exchange. 1.63 England, 1.85 Pakistan, 2.74 New Zealand, South Africa 3.35, Australia 5.1, India 10.5, and Afghanistan at 11.5. I'm coming straight to you, Richard Mann. South Africa, the birthplace of Rassi van der Dussen, your outright tip. Do those batting stats from Edward Hawkins put you off? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, the bowling looks fantastic. It has done all tournament. Nokia has been incredible in the IPL and then running into this tournament. But I think the one missing link was Rabada. He really struggled in the IPL, but he was brilliant today against Bangladesh. Three wickets in the power play won the game there and then. So I think the attack has all bases covered. It's got spin as well. But but what the batting's always been light on is real power. And it's relied on De Kock up front and Miller at the back end. Miller's actually come to the party, won them a game already. But De Kock has done nothing. Um, I think the, the biggest headline he's created was when he refused to take the knee and had to miss a game. He's back in the side now. You think he'd come good at some point, but I, I just don't think they can win without De Kock coming to the party. I think they're a really good side with a brilliant bowling attack, which always wins me over. But they need De Kock at to, to start adding some fireworks up top. Okay, that's told him. Anything else you've spotted, Richard? Um, just just looking ahead a little bit, Sharjah, really interesting ground, obviously suits spin, but I think I think express pace, like we saw with Lockie Ferguson in the IPL, can be effective there. And with Tamil Mills picking up an injury, Mark Wood will probably get a recall for England now. The player South Africa... We're not previewing it tonight, but looking ahead. And I think Mark Wood will bowl really well at Sharjah. He'll, he'll bowl that back of a length, but he's got that skiddy express pace. The wicket tends to stay low, and I think he's really dangerous there. Um, so I think if you're looking at Sharjah, look at those sort of bowlers, and, and Mark Wood, keep your eye out for him if he gets a recall for England. Good stuff. Thank you, Richard Mann. Right, Tasneem Samarkhan is back, and it's a TSK special. Her, her top three reasons why England will win this tournament. Yes, Tasneem Samarkhan is here, and here are her three top reasons why England are going to win the T20 World Cup. Number one, Joss Butler's brilliance. So it was long ago decreed that whichever country could walk into a T20 World Cup with Joss Butler would walk in as favourites. And that is because in T20 internationals, he averages 60 0.5 as an opener. There's only one other batsman who has over a thousand T20 international runs with a better average than him, and that's Mohamed Rizwan. So the two of them might be showing us an emerging pattern here at this World Cup. Over the last three years, he's opened in 65 T20s, averaging 46 and striking at 150. That's the really valuable aspect, striking at 150. He dominates in the power play. He's got the second highest average combined with a sixth highest strike rate, and he's hit more sixes in the last 23 months than anyone in international cricket except for Evan Lewis. So we've always known that he could hit a Yorker for six if he wanted to. But considering how power hitters have fared in this World Cup compared to those who accumulate runs with late acceleration, it was always to be seen whether Butler could go from Trent Bridge and Taunton and, and, and everywhere else we've seen him dominate to the UAE. We must have very short memories because he had to remind us that he absolutely could against Sri Lanka. Number two, Captain Morgan. While Morgan's own batting form has not been prolific as of late, he is the most capped active player in the world. That level of experience did wonders for Emma Stoney as a captain. And Owen Morgan is absolutely not a man to be left behind. 
So he has the most wins in T20 internationals as a skipper. He's won 43 out of the 68 games that he's captained. That is a 63% uh, win percentage compared to Dhoni's 58%. He held the innings together against Sri Lanka. So it looks like um, he's coming back into form himself. He supported Joss Butler, enabling him to do Joss Butler things that the rest of us can't even conceive. He is brilliant at man management. He's a smart data-driven skipper who's pushed matchups in, in T20 cricket generally, but very much at this World Cup. Um, that's really easy to see from the way that he's used his bowling changes. So Moeen opened the bowling against the West Indies and Bangladesh um, because of their left-handers. And Adil Rashid opened the bowling against Australia. So that indicates both the captain and the squad know their opposition's weaknesses very well. Number three, the spin twins. The spin twins are quite honestly the best spinners outside of Asian countries, maybe even currently the best spin attack behind the unmatchable Afghanistan. Both Adil and Moeen are wicket-taking spinners, whereas other sides are still using defensive spinners in T20 cricket. That's a tactic that can work um, depending on the complexion of the rest of your squad, but isn't it a lot more fun when you've got attacking spinners? England have been able to add Liam Livingston to the mix to get another four overs out of him. That's crazy valuable in UAE conditions, obviously, and it helps account for the fact that in recent years, England have preferred to use Moeen um, in terms of matchups. So that strengthens their variety and potency and it absolutely takes pressure off of that seam attack. Amazing to watch. So this isn't new to England and that is why they will win the T20 World Cup. Thank you, Tasney. Marvellous stuff as always. It's game time now and those best bets are not far off either. Right, kicking off part three with Australia versus Bangladesh on Thursday from Dubai. It's an early game. Bangladesh currently 5.5 on the exchange for this one. Ed Hawkins, a low down, please. Yeah, I'm going to call it. Australia are going to drop Warner, so they're going to bring in Joss, Josh Inglis. I almost said uh, Joss English or Josh Inglis. Finch is going to open with him. Marsh, Smith, Maxwell, Stoinis, Agar, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, Zampa, Bangladesh, Naeem, Das, Sakar, and then Mahidi, Afif, and Neural could all bat in there. Mushfakir, Mahmudullah, Nasum, Tuskin, and Fizz. If they have a change up with the batting order, there's no Shakib Hassan, of course. On your boundary percentage, Australia have your edge, but it's by about 0.9%, so not really an edge. In similar conditions, Bangladesh be a weaker Australia side. Yes, there is such a thing. 4 1 in August. Okay, Richard Mann, can we tempt you into a little flutter on Bangladesh? Oh, this this was the bet I wanted to have, really. And and I thought, you know, I, I started this tournament wanting to take Australia on in every game. But Bangladesh have just really disappointed me in conditions that they should have should have really suited them. They just haven't grasped the opportunity. I've been really disappointed, to be honest. And I just think at this ground, Dubai, it's been suiting seamers up front. And I think Australia have got a very good seam attack. And, and like what happened with, with South Africa today, I think they, they could be in trouble early on. And I think that will give Australia the edge. OK, quick view from you on this one, Ed Hawkins. Yeah, Bangladesh, a massive disappointment. They should really be uh, in on the action uh, in this tournament. And they've been around an awful long time to be turning in performances like this. Just not good enough. Um, but I do think it's an absolute stodge fest with the bat. And as 
Betfair Sportsbook price, which catches the eye very early on, is 11 to 10, no 50 in the first innings because neither of these sides, as I mentioned with your boundary percentages, uh, are going to be troubling the spectators with hard hats. Okay, side markets uh, breaking with tradition and asking Richard Mann who he likes and does not like here. Dead interesting. Uh, so I'll start off. Shane Warren has been tweeting, which which is always amusing, but he's been tweeting again this week. Uh, Mitchell Stark, he said, shouldn't be anywhere near the new ball for Australia. Should ball in the middle of us and at the death. And actually, for once, I agree with him. And I think that'll that'll really help Josh Hazelwood. Actually, he'll he'll probably ball two or three in the power play. Again, this surface this surface at Dubai has suited seamers up front. Early on has been the hardest time to bat, and I think Hazelwood probably ball better than his figures would suggest so far. So I think he'll have a good game actually, and, and I know look bowling the death brings Stark into it, but I I just haven't been impressed with him. I think Bangladesh are well equipped to cope with Adam Zampa, and I think Hazelwood stands out for top Australia bowler. Ed Hawkins, um, what have you got? Uh, yeah, some names to follow. Naeem is giving you about 10 points at a price boosted 4-1 to one with Betfair Sportsbook. He's also been disappointing. He was in our top five, I seem to recall, for most reliable batters. He won twice in that August series against Australia. Also, Shoraful Islam, 7-4 in four in that series. Wicket every 11 balls, left arm, you're going to get about 4-1. to one. Good price. Pat Cummins, Paul's mentioned him before, 60-1, to one. top Australia run scorer. 35, 40 could win it and he could get them very, very late. Okay, thank you, Edward Hawkins. Um, Before we go, Warner, do we sell his runs at 21.5 for a winner at 10 to 11? Richard Mann, I know Ed Hawkins has ruled him out, but what do you think? What do you reckon? Yeah, if he plays, I'd still be a seller. One thing Bangladesh did well today against South Africa was the seamers were really dangerous early on, tasking ball brilliantly. Um, so he, he caused Warner problems. If what Warner lined up, so, so yeah, I'd still be selling. Quick word on what Ed mentioned, Pat Cummins, really interesting, actually. He came in against England, two massive sixes. And I think you could you could tell that he's had that IPL experience, that playing under Brendan McCullum at KKR. And I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if, if he got a little shunt up the order at some point, just if they wanted to add some impetus. Cummins could almost come in with licence. He really does hit a long ball. In that case, 60s, 50s, any 33s would be a massive price. Okay, thank you very much, Richard Mann. Right, that's that game. It's all done. Next up, West Indies versus Sri Lanka from Abu Dhabi. This is a contest under lights. West Indies currently at 1.73, surely a dreadful price there. Sri Lanka, 2.34. Bet for exchange prices there for you. Of course, Ed Hawkins, names please. West Indies, Lewis Gale, Chase, Hetmeyer, Pollard, Russell, Peran, Bravo, Holder, Hossein, Rampal. Yelanka team is Nisanka, Kusal, Asalanka, Rajapaksa. I'm picking Dan Anjaya to come in for Avishka, who's been disappointing. Wanindu, Shanaka, Karanaratni, Chamira, Lahiro, Thikshana. Sri Lanka, are you winning your boundary percentage match up here? Easy peasy. Okay, Richard Mann, what's happening here then? I fancy Sri Lanka, actually. I've been pretty impressed with them throughout the tournament and and things haven't gone their way. They probably haven't been good enough in the key moments, but they ran England close the other day. Um, and I think if you take Josh Butler's unbelievable innings out, I mean, we'll, we'll struggle to see another one like that for a long time. Sri Lanka might well have won that game. I think they're a good side, they're a fearless side with a lot of talented players and... 
I just wonder about West Indies. They could be done and dusted by now. How much motivation they'll have for this contest. Whereas Sri Lanka, young, hungry side, up and coming, and the coach by Mickey Arthur will not let his foot off the gas. I think they'll be the value player here. Okay, Ed Hawkins, um, do you concur? Yeah, I do. If Sri Lanka bats second, I think they're a good bet. And I don't think the odds are going to train, change dramatically. It might take a um, a few points off that one, but you might still be able to get 2.15, something like that. I'll also point out 7-2 with Betfair Sportsbook for Sri Lanka for your most sixes and winning the match. I mean, that should really be a related double given the relationship to how many sixes are hit and who wins the match. Remember, it's 85% bias uh, in all T20, the side which hits the most boundaries, they win the game. So I think that is a good bet. Okay, Ed Hawkins, any players to follow here? Yeah, Pollard, great record, should be about four to one. You get a massive nines. Roston Chase is massive at sevens. I think he's going to bat number three. Uh, Holder for top West Indies bowler is underrated. Brilliant record for Sunrisers winning this market. He's 100 to 30. Dan Anjaya, who I mentioned could come in, is absolutely a whopper at eight to one for top Sri Lanka bat. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Richard Mann, who do you like out of those? Well, I, I like Ed Zulaid, actually. I mean, that that's definitely the play, isn't it, if you fancy Sri Lanka? But but, but sticking with the size, Roston Chase, look, I know I put him up at the start of the tournament and he, for some reason, West Indies didn't pick him for the first two games. He finally came in for the third. He made 39 against Bangladesh, missed out on top one score by one run. Nicholas Puran played a wonder innings. Chase didn't actually look very good. He was very scratchy, but the pitch was hard work and he still managed to grind out a score. A score. And actually in three innings in the UAE now, two in warm-up games, he's made a 50 and that 39. The West Indies top order is in complete disarray. Gale is shot to pieces. This market is there to be taken really. And whether you go with Pollard at nines or Chase at sevens, which I'm going to do, you have to be having a bet at those prices. I wouldn't go anywhere near the top order apart from Chase and Pollard. Okay, can we get the special double or treble klaxon out here, Richard? Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, Chase at sevens is absolutely massive and I, I like Joss Hazelwood as well and he'll probably be third or fourth favourite behind Stark or coming. So the Hazelwood Chase double will do for me. Okay. To small stakes, may I add. Okay, thanks, Richard. That's two games done. New Zealand versus Namibia is next, then India versus Scotland. But best of all, the Maffords... Bleh, Massively even profitable best bets. Up 50.8 points if you missed the first time. Right, part four. Two games still to come. We'll rattle through these as games are underway as you listen to this, no doubt. Starting with New Zealand versus Namibia from Sharjah on Friday. Ed Hawkins. New Zealand, Guptill, Mitchell, Williamson, Conway, Phillips, Nisham, Santner, Southie, Milne. Sodi Bolt. They're squeezing everything they can out of that group. So they're in the they're in the hunt, aren't they? Namibia, Williams, Van Lingen, Erasmus Green, Vitsa Smith, Lofty Eaton, Frylink, Picky of France, Trampleman and Schultz. What on earth do we do here, Richard Mann? Well, we expect a New Zealand victory, but I wouldn't go overboard on the margin of, of victory. People will look at this and think it'll be an absolute whitewash. I just don't think Sharjah suits New Zealand. I think their bowling attack, I think you need extreme pace or quality spin. They've got spin, but I think the bowlers, they tend to kiss the pitch. And I think here, 
you need to bang it in and and, and let the, the pitch do the rest. So I don't think it'll be ideal for Bolton Salvi. And the batting in the middle order, wonderful players have spin Conway and Williamson, but they like to work the gaps and pick up twos, ones, twos and threes. There's no twos at Shagley. You need to hit fours and sixes. So and I think I don't think it suits Guptill either. He, he wants a quick surface, so I don't think it'll suit New Zealand. But I think I think the street wise enough to, to get the job done in workmanlike fashion would be my prediction. Okay, Ed Hawkins, you have a stat which which might don't want to build it up too much, but might interest. Mm, yeah, possible angle angle for you. Namibia are the tightest team in the tournament. Would you believe in the first power play? in the field so that under six over par line perhaps with the exchange might be a play new zealand likely to be overrated there we know how Sharjah is a bit stodgy 41 is the average so if it's above that it looks like a sell okay thank you very much um richard mann any players to watch out for here i think mitchell daryl mitchell top new zealand batsman or even top match batsman um i think i think the openers are probably the way to go anyway for New Zealand, particularly if they're chasing a low score. I just don't like, I like Guptill against this level of opposition, but I, I don't like him on his, his record in subcontinent isn't great. And this is a real subcontinent surface. So I'd be against Guptill. Mitchell's impressed too, so far, made a couple of good scores. And again, I, I don't think it's ideal for Williamson or Conway. So Mitchell looks the best of that bunch. With the ball, I think James Neesham is, is really interesting for New Zealand. Again, all the attention will be both Salvi and the two spinners, Santa and Sodi, were very good. But Neesham, he bowled three overs against Pakistan when New Zealand played at Sharjah, only went for 18. And then in the IPL, he played for Mumbai Indians against Rajasthan Royals. He picked up three for 12 on this ground, just bowling medium pace, lots of cutters, changes of paces, and he was hard to get away. And I suspect New Zealand, he didn't bowl in the last game, but on this surface, they'll look to use him for four overs. And I think he, he, he could be a big price in the top New Zealand bowler market. OK, and before we sashay sideways to India versus Scotland, the same to you, Ed Hawkins. Well, I love that stuff on Nisham. Uh, you may, might want to check out his man of the match price by the sound of it. Uh, just a real left field one for man of the match. Trumpleman, uh, your Nimbia left arm swing bowler, uh, been producing performance which, which would make Bolt jealous, I think. Excellent v Pakistan, sensational versus Scotland. Top Namibia bowler, a good shout. Uh, and he might get uh, a sympathy job on uh, Man of the Match. OK, thank you very much. As I said, India versus Scotland now, also on Friday. India may well be out by now, so it's a tricky one to call. And to call lineups for India at least, because they could give fringe players a go. Virat Kohli could fall out with a few more people. Anything could happen. Right, Ed Hawkins, India, unlucky, knackered or just a poor team? Talk to me. Uh, the first two, I think. I think uh, India, as you may well have noticed on social media, uh, domestically like to have a sort of collective hand-wringing. I just think that if they'd won the toss against Pakistan, they'd have probably won that game. They'd have probably beaten New Zealand if they'd won the toss as well. And we wouldn't be having this discussion. So... Um, I think fatigue definitely comes into it because they've been non-stop and they continue to be non-stop because they've got a series coming up uh, almost immediately as soon as this World T20 is finished, I believe. Um, so, and once you've got a group of players who are knackered collectively, physically, it doesn't take much for for the old mental game to go when they realise things are just going against them. <laughs> Indeed, wise words, Edward Hawkins. Best possible plays here, Richard Mann. Bum was the obvious one for, for top India bowler, but 
but I'm really interested in another possible angle here. So Scotland against Afghanistan, Majid just bowled wicket to wicket, wonderful spin bowler. Um, but he was he was devastating. He picked up five wickets, and him and Rashid Khan between them picked up five LBWs just bowling wicket to wicket. And I think Shakravati will do the same for India here. Now, obviously, if you're betting on the next method of dismissal, you'd want LBW on side, but it's difficult at the other end. But I think if Shakravati bowls in tandem with Jadeja, who again just bowls wicket to wicket, I don't think Scotland will have much answer to, to what is high-class spin. And I think that's a possible angle to exploit. If, you, if you're watching and if the seamers do a lot of bowling in the power play and then Shakravati and Jadeja look like they're going to get a block of three or four overs together, I'd definitely be betting LBW next wicket to fall. Okay, Ed Hawkins, any players that stand out for you? Uh, I like Ishan Kishan just because he's such a destructive player when uh, the pressure seems to be off and it, I think it will be here. And Rohit as well. You could Dutch those two if they're opening the batting. So those two stand out for me, but I'm not especially enamoured with this game. Okay, thank you. Um, Richard Mann? Yeah, well, I'm with Ed a little bit on, on Rohit, actually. I just wonder if he might have a point to prove as well. He, he, he dropped down to uh, number three against New Zealand. Apparently, that was part of his decision-making. He, he did what he thought was best for the team. But look, he's an opening batsman in all forms of cricket, and he's he's just about India's best player nowadays. And I, I think he'll go back to the top of the order now. He's going to take over the captaincy of the T20 side after this World Cup. Virat Kohli obviously standing down. I think he'll have a point to prove, Rohit, um, fabulous player and sometimes you just need something to give him a G up the backside and I think this will be it so beware though it would be my advice thanks guys right you've had your greens now it's pudding time massive best bets right best bets time Richard Mann you have some ground to pick up uh, Ed Hawkins Remind us of the scores on the doors, please. Yeah, Richard's 17.3, so he's doing very, very well himself. And I don't doubt he's going to catch up Richard with, uh, catch up Paul rather with these best bets. What have you got, Richard? Just reel them off. I'll kick off with Josh Hazelwood, top Australia bowler against Bangladesh. And then in the New Zealand versus Namibia match, I'll have one point on Daryl Mitchell, top match batsman, and one point on James Neesham, top New Zealand bowler. And then to finish off, I'm going to have two units on Roston Chase, top West Indies bat, at a massive 7-1. to one. Cricket only better 109 is done and dusted. Don't forget to take advantage of those best bets. Don't forget to take advantage of betting.betfair with every single match previewed. And we'll be back on Friday with the Dream Team, Richard and Paul, back together again. See you then. <laughs> 